Welcome to Chantel Inspires. Each week, this program will address some of life's challenges, such as sexual abuse, suicide, rape, bullying, and more. Many of us face challenges like these in everyday life. Chantel shows us that we can overcome these challenges as well as be the light in the darkness of others who face similar setbacks. Now, here is your host, Chantel. Hello, hello again, and welcome to the show. This is Chantel, and you are listening to Chantel Inspires. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, today, we are going to be visiting with my very special guest, John Vespasian, and he is the author of nine, count them, nine books about rational living. Some of those include When Everything Fails, Try This, Rationality is the Way to Happiness, the, philo- the philosophy of builders, boy, that sounded good, huh? <laughs> the 10 principles of rational living, rational living, rational working, and quite a few others. So welcome, John. Welcome to our show. How are you today? Very well, Chantel. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm calling from Europe. Uh, here yes. is, um, we're in the evening. Yeah, we are six uh, hours ahead of New York. So thanks for uh-huh. having me on. I'm very happy to be in your show. Wonderful. It's great to have you with us. So tell me just a little bit about yourself, John. We all want to know what's, what, what makes you? Well, um, I write books about uh, personal development. And, okay. um, I've been doing this now for uh, 10 years. And I always get the question, why are you doing this in the first place? Which is uh, it's so difficult uh, to make money writing books. <laughs> and I have to tell you that uh, the, 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 the reason I started to, um, to write books uh, was really sheer uh, irritation. I was very frustrated uh, with the kind of books um, I was finding in the market because I've been a reader of um, uh, psychology books, uh, personal development books um, for, for decades. And at a certain point, I couldn't find the kind of books I wanted to, uh, to find, which are books that are very practical, factual, uh, based on history, and I started to write the books I couldn't find with a lot of work because at the beginning I was very inexperienced. And now I have been doing this for 10 years. And um, it's very rewarding, I would say, psychologically and from the theme of relationships. Um, it's not uh, a, a huge business in terms of making money. But um, I can now write uh, the, exactly the kind of books I want to read. Um, I do the kind of research I want to do. And I've been focusing on the subject of, um, of uh, rational living, which is very close to my heart, uh, which consists of extracting uh, rational principles, principles that are practical, that you can use in your own life uh, from history. Ah, very good. Well, I can certainly attest to not making a lot of money from books. I wrote my one book, and, and you know, here I am still doing a radio show. <laughs> so... Um, well, tell us now, according to your research, what is the best, me- best method for personal development? Because you talk about personal development. What have you found? Yeah, yeah by, by far, I mean, if I can give just uh, one piece of advice from all this uh, writing and researching, um, by far the best uh, method uh, you can develop uh, is to try to think long term. And this is so uh, absolutely counterintuitive uh, for human beings because um, even people who, who make an effort uh, to think long term uh, will rarely look 
uh, beyond five years. Huh? Even if you're embarking in a, a new study or a new career, people will just, okay, make few calculations. Okay, I can really make a living here. It's going to be tough. I can move to a city and, and start uh, a new business. But uh, if you really want to make uh, optimal decisions and try to minimize uh, mistakes, because some mistakes are very expensive. Huh? You make, um, uh, if you marry the wrong person or you, uh, you study and you get uh, the wrong kind of uh, uh, degree in university, it can be very expensive uh, to rectify these kind of mistakes. And the way to optimize your decision and actually to, um, I would say, to, to achieve a maximum happiness uh, is to try to make uh, the major decisions in your life uh, in terms of a lifetime. Not five years, not 10 years, not 20 years, uh, to try to think in terms of a lifetime. And this is extremely difficult uh, for all of us. Uh, it takes a lot of training. It takes a lot of uh, discipline. But uh, my books really, uh, what I do is to compile uh, hundreds of uh, biographies from different uh, uh, areas, from different countries, from different um, uh, history periods, and try to draw uh, uh, um, uh, principles. And the principle of thinking long term, uh, I would say, overrides all other principles. Huh? Uh, it affects your diet, uh, your lifestyle, uh, the kind of relationships uh, you develop, uh, the kind of career you want to develop. If you manage to think in terms of decades, instead of uh, thinking in terms of years, uh, you will be far ahead of most people. That's quite the different angle. It's, it means a lot, though. When you think of, and I'm sure you've seen this in other countries, you know, take Japan, for instance. Most of those people have the same job for a lifetime or the same home in Europe and thing, other countries. They, have, they usually have the same home for a very long time. Where you come to the United States, we're switching jobs all the time. I happen to do real estate, so I know people are moving all the time. There's not a lot of longevity for in their way of thinking. Is that what you find? Um, well, it's not, um, I mean, okay, you're talking about something important, which is a house or, or a career. But um, I'm talking about things which are really um, uh, central to a person's uh, character and, and personality. For instance, um, the kind of uh, activities uh, you choose to do. Uh, most people would just, okay, they just have to get a job and then uh, sort of uh, try to enjoy life on the side. Um, when you look at the biographies I present in my books, and I can give you a lot of examples, huh? uh, the people who would really develop a very successful career or become extremely happy, uh, unusually happy, I would say, uh, they have a very strong uh, sense of direction in the sense that um, it's not that they start with the idea to become very old and very happy and very wealthy, but uh, they have a very strong direction and they follow this, uh, this direction, which sometimes is going to take them uh, to unexpected places, but they develop uh, step by step uh, this sequence of steps that leads to extraordinary success and happiness. My latest book, uh, the title is Sequentiality, because I analyze uh, about 30 examples of how people actually follow this, um, this, this trend, this tendency, this uh, drive that they have to, uh, to go in a certain direction, very often without knowing uh, the end of the story, without having a very clear goal, and eventually they find uh, themselves uh, uh, with very successful careers, very successful businesses, uh, just because they follow this um, this drive. Oh, okay. Um, so now 
you've written already nine books, and did I did I hear you say you've only done this for about three years, or what? What did you say in the beginning? No, I've been doing this for um, for ten years now. I'm ten years now, my okay. tenth uh, book. So I so do one book per year, basically. A book per year. That's pretty good. <laughs> so, so if there's a common thread going through all of them, what would that be? Yeah, the, the common thread that goes through the book, and the, I call this uh, philosophy rational living, is okay. that you want to optimize um, uh, your uh, results and also to become very resilient uh, uh, when you're facing adversity, when you're facing a divorce, uh, when people get fired from a job, when they, they go bankrupt or they, they face uh, huge problems. Um, what I have done is to study hundreds of examples. And uh, the, the, the common pattern is that if you just try to stay calm and to take a step back and to actually think about the situation from uh, as, as objective, uh, as objectively as you can uh, be, because, of course, if you are suffering from uh, horrible pain because you, have, you are very sick, it's very difficult to be objective. I understand this perfectly. But if you try to stay calm and to make decisions, very rational decisions, by checking the facts, uh, trying to be logical, uh, trying to avoid um, uh, depression and depre- avoid uh, uh, anxiety, if you try to stay calm, uh, you will make decisions which are dramatically better. And it will, it will avoid you, it will prevent you from making a lot of mistakes. Let me just uh, uh, give you a few examples. Look, one of the, um, the stories I, I present in my, in my last book, uh, my latest book, which is Sequentiality, uh, is the story of Luigi Cornaro. And Cornaro was the, the first person in history who is really recorded uh, to have lived um, 102 years. Uh, he lived in the uh, 15th, 16th century, and Cornaro was, um, was terminally ill when he was in his mid-30s. Uh, he had massive inflammation. Uh, he could not sleep. He could barely eat. He went to several physicians. He was living in Venice in, uh, in northern Italy. He went to several physicians uh, to try to find the remedy, and they told him he was going to die. He had to make his will and to prepare to die because he was just too sick. And Cornaro, uh, like w- most heroes that I present in my books, he was very confused. Uh, he didn't have a clear solution to his problem. Uh, he was very depressed, as you can imagine. But eventually, he, uh, he became uh, detached. He became, tried to become rational, tried to become objective, and say, look, if I'm going to get out of this uh, situation, I have to find a way. I have to stay calm, because otherwise I'm going to panic, and I'm just going to die. So what he did, and uh, this is something that is amazing that people could do this in the, in the 16th century, uh, he had started uh, to experiment uh, with different diets uh, because he could barely eat. So at the beginning, he just started to drink uh, soup. He made uh, vegetable soup every day. And then he started to introduce uh, different foods. And eventually, by uh, trial and error, uh, by changing his uh, sleep patterns, uh, by changing his lifestyle, uh, by changing the way he eat, he would eat, the, the way um, the things that he drank because he started to drink uh, very little. He was a heavy drinker, and he stopped, and he, only, he would only drink um, uh, wine, young wine, with very low gradation. So eventually, mm-hmm. after some experiments, after six months, he was fully recovered. Uh, he was a new man. He was healthy again. And for the next uh, decade, he became very old. Uh, he continued to experiment. Uh, sometimes he would go back to his uh, former uh, lifestyle. He would become very sick again. 
And then eventually he came up with, uh, with a lifestyle and a nutrition uh, approach that is very similar to what you use now in the in 21st century, but he was uh, 400 years ago, 500 years ago. And I find this story fascinating because it shows that if uh, Cornaro had been panicking, like most people who are diagnosed with uh, a severe illness, they say, look, mm -hmm. uh, you have the cancer, you're going to die, uh, you have uh, one year, uh, he, would have, he would have died and he would have disappeared. Uh, we would have never heard of uh, Luigi Cornaro, but uh, he didn't give up. He became very detached, very calm, very scientific. Uh, he started to look for a solution. And uh, this is the kind of stories I present in my book. This, this um, uh, Cornaro wrote extensively about his experiments when he was in his 80s. He wrote uh, several essays, which I have used from my book, as basis from my book. And the, um, the idea behind the whole uh, experimentation is that when you're facing confusion, uh, when you're facing massive adversity, you have to stay calm. You have to start uh, running experiments to see uh, which way you can go. And eventually, given enough time, you will find a solution. Wow. Boy, he was certainly ahead of his time. Um, I'm going to hold you right there just a second John we're going to go to a break and I hope you all return it's your world motivate change succeed voiceamericaempowerment.com Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red Says. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Do you sometimes feel powerless over your own life? Does it seem like you're living for someone else? Unsure of what your purpose is? Or if you even have an important voice? It's time to take back that control. Tune in to Empowered with Des and Jen. They've been in the same place and have learned to regain control of their lives. They also feature amazing guests who share experiences of how they have found success. Start on your journey by listening Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Are you tired of strained relationships that don't work? We all have at least one, a family member, friend, or coworker we struggle to understand and deal with. Now you can improve those relationships fast with simple tools and skills. Tune into Relationship Radio with Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles. You'll learn how to have a better marriage, improve communication with your kids, and reduce stress at work. Listen live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you left the cage that held you back but find yourself in the wild of your life wondering, what do I do now? I'm Dr. Lisa Cooney and today I'm going to give you the tools to answer that question. Regardless of the issue, your choices of the past no longer need to haunt you. You have the power to change that and to create from a space of fun and ease. How different can your life be? Find out. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Chantel Inspires. To reach the show, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Chantel at ChantelInspires.com. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, everyone. Today, our guest is John Vespasian, and he has written nine books, working on his 10th right now. And he is joining us today from the Netherlands. So it's wonderful to have you, John. Um, Now, this show talks about how people can overcome situations in their life where it seems like there's there's no way out and you feel like you can't go any further. So how do you explain through your research and your books and things like that, how do you explain that millions of people feel so depressed that they can barely function? What what has been your research on yeah. that or how do <laughs> Well, there, there are different uh, reasons, but I would say 90% of the explanation uh, comes from um, uh, philosophy, wrong philosophy. Uh, there are many people in the world uh, that are hypersensitive. Uh, this is the main reason I have found in history, in research, that people, um, I mean, everybody has problems in life. Some people have severe, very severe problems. But still, uh, the problem of hypersensitivity to become uh, extremely destroyed psychologically, you, you get paralyzed, you get depressed, uh, you cannot sleep, you cannot really function. Uh, this is a 90% psychological problem, and this is because our culture uh, teaches us to be very, very sensitive to, um, to uh, our reputation, uh, to our ability uh, to, um, to act um, uh, efficiently in society, uh, to our public image, uh, our self-regard. We become very uh, embarrassed when we make mistakes, when we are sick, when we are uh, not making money. And if you can become uh, less hypersensitive and to try to look at uh, things uh, more objectively, uh, even if you have severe problems, severe financial problems, severe uh, health problems, uh, you will be able to find the solution uh, much easily. And why, why are we so hypersensitive? And uh, the, the best explanation I have found uh, from history is that uh, we tend to become um, depressed, extremely anxious, uh, when we lose um, a sight of reality, when we don't know the real facts, and we tend to exaggerate. And this happens when people, for instance, they, they imagine you, you lose your job, and you have a lot of uh, debts, and you have to pay your mortgage, and you have to, to feed your children. Um, people become very depressed, very paralyzed, when uh, they don't know the numbers. And they exaggerate the problem. Say, I will never find another job. Uh, there is no future for me. Where are we going to starve? I mean, you get in this kind of thinking, uh, which is totally irrational. It's just that you don't know the facts. You don't know how to find a job. You don't know where the jobs are. You don't know the numbers. You don't, you don't know how many applications you have to send uh, in order to get interviews, in order to get a job. 
Or you don't know even if you are in the right place because the solution might be very simple. You just move to another city where there are more opportunities. There is usually a solution if you can look at the facts. The problem with uh, depression and uh, anxiety and, and uh, this kind of reactions is that it makes you blind. Uh, it makes you to get into your mind. Uh, it paralyzes you. It, uh, it makes you um, uh, impervious to facts. You just don't li- look at reality. You just look at uh, your uh, feelings. And it's like a very negative spiral. It's very difficult to get out of that. But the answer is, is look at the facts to, to, to learn the numbers, even if you are sick. Imagine you get uh, a diagnosis. Uh, people say, okay, you, are, you have uh, um, anorexia. You have this, uh, I mean, really a, a very uh, serious condition. And then uh, instead of looking at the facts and say, okay, how many people have recovered uh, from this condition? Uh, what do I have to do? What are the possible treatments? Uh, what uh, do I have to do to change my diet, to change my lifestyle in order to improve? In order to, to get to this point, you have to get out of the pressure. You have to get out of this uh, anxiety. Um, and this is uh, something which is not easy. But I think fundamentally it's a cultural problem. Uh, because when you look at uh, history and you see people uh, 2,000 years ago, to 25 centuries ago in ancient Greece, uh, they face fundamentally the same problems. Uh, they have to face uh, violence, uh, starvation. Um, they have all these uh, sickness uh, conditions that we have today in a different way. They didn't have cancer, um, but they had uh, other conditions. They have inflammation very often. And uh, the solution is always the same. Uh, look at the facts, stay calm, uh, try to figure out an, a possible solution. Look at other, what other people are doing, how other people have been able to, uh, to cure themselves, uh, to find a job, uh, uh, to reestablish uh, their credit, uh, to find uh, another uh, spouse, another wife, another uh, husband, whatever. Just look at the solution. Look at the facts. Look at the numbers. Try to figure out how to put the odds in your favor. You had mentioned something that just kind of struck me um, differently. You said that back in the in history, people suffered. You know, they didn't suffer from cancer, but they suffered from inflammation. What was the cause of that? That just seems interesting to me. Well, I I found this <clears throat> when I wrote a book about ancient Greece um, at, uh, two years ago. I did a lot of research about uh, ancient medicine, about Hippocrates. He was uh, a famous uh, uh-huh. Greek physician. And I was right. reading his um, massive uh, writings, which he wrote, at least um, today we believe he wrote uh, 50 books. Maybe he didn't write uh, them all himself, but anyway, there were uh, 50 books. And I was reading one after the other uh, to do the research. Uh, you never see the word cancer. You never see the word uh, Alzheimer. You, ne- you don't even see the concept. Mm-hmm. And this, I think, right. it was because the food uh, was organic. And people yes. did a lot of uh, physical exercise, so they didn't have the same uh, problems, but they had a lot of inflammation. Uh, you will see, mm-hmm. um, if you look at uh, Hippocrates, just uh, for curiosity, um, he spends a lot of um, uh, paper, a lot of, uh, uh, par- a big part of his uh, writings uh, was about inflammation. And I think it was uh, maybe because people were subjected uh, to extreme uh, temperatures. Uh, the, it was very hot uh, in the summer, and, and they, they also have to deal uh, with very um, uh, difficult uh, conditions because they were sailing all the time. They were uh, traveling through the Mediterranean, 
and sometimes okay. they have to to, uh, to, to adapt uh, to very different uh, climates and very different uh, foods. And this gave them the, the the body reacted with inflammation. So they, you're right. It's a very uh, a strange uh, remark, but this is what I found in my research when I was reading about uh, ancient Greece. Hmm, that's interesting, but it makes sense. It truly makes sense. So, in your in your history or in your research, what lessons have you learned for improving your health? Just other other than just are there anything? Is there anything other than what you've mentioned? Are there some key points? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, I'm not a physician myself, but I read uh, a lot about uh, uh, medicine. Uh, because my books, uh, I, I really think that when you write personal development books, uh, you have to touch indirectly uh, the subject of health because it's not, uh, it's completely useless if you are very enthusiastic and very positive and then you are sick and then you die mm-hmm. after working uh, like a dog for 10 years. I think you mm-hmm. have to see the whole thing uh, as a, uh, you have to see the whole philosophy. So when I was, I was doing the research about uh, in Greece, uh, I, I drew uh, very interesting, I think, conclusions from uh, Hippocrates. I just can give you a few of them because I think they're very, uh, very interesting. One of the things that uh, he recommended uh, for people who were uh, sick, of course, the idea of uh, sickness that we have today is very different from the ancient Greeks because the ancient Greek, uh, they saw the, the sickness as a whole problem with the body. They didn't have 25 different diagnoses or 25,000 as we have today. They had patterns. And Hippocrates, what he did in his book is try to find uh, uh, general prescriptions that uh, would work with most conditions. And one of the things he prescribed systematically, I found it super interesting, is that if you have any kind of uh, fever, inflammation, um, uh, toothache, I mean, whatever, he would always prescribe people to take uh, herbal tea. And when we're talking oh. herbal tea, we're talking uh, chamomile, we're talking uh, sage uh, tea, we're talking uh, mint. Uh, really very simple things that you can buy uh, in most um, uh, uh, shops, in most supermarkets, you can buy tea, herbal tea very inexpensively, but very few people have the habit of drinking herbal tea uh, two, three, four times a day. And this is what Hippocrates uh, recommended uh, as a very uh, healthy habit uh, to improve your condition and to improve your, your longevity. Uh, he would uh, recommend systematically uh, people to drink uh, chamomile, to drink uh, sage tea. It takes a few minutes to make. I mean, it's not like opening a, a can of soda. I mean, it, you have to really uh, spend a few minutes uh, heating the water, and the, the tea takes a few minutes to do to, to get ready. But it's all, you get also the habit of being a, a bit more relaxed uh, to, to make your own drink and then to enjoy it uh, little by little. And this is one of the habits uh, I pick up as soon as I wrote this book about ancient Greece. I said, look, this is really fantastic. And I'm pretty sure it works because it has been passed uh, through the Middle Ages to the Renaissance. The problem today is that um, uh, most people find it so inconvenient uh, to uh, to spend a few minutes uh, making herbal tea and they just prefer uh, to drink um, uh, soda or to drink uh, beer, whatever. But I have to tell you, if you make just one little change in your life that can have uh, great benefits, uh, I would just say try to drink herbal tea a few times a day, and you will see your condition, your inner condition uh, improve. Well, and 
and in today's world, I think everyone is so stressed and so always on the go that we don't take time to kind of sit back and, and relax and decelerate a little bit. And I think making a pot of tea would certainly help with that, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, but you have, so, to, you have to discipline yourself. Huh? Uh, I mean, it, it, everything is about uh, getting good habits, uh, thinking habits, mm-hmm. uh, action habits. But uh, it's very difficult to do because people feel, I mean, I, I think also a bit embarrassed. Because if you go to a party and everybody's drinking beer and whiskey and whatever, and you just say, oh, no, I'm going to drink uh, herbal tea, they're mm-hmm. going to look at you uh, weird. You say, well, why are you drinking herbal tea? Are you sick or something? So yeah. it's uh, in our world uh, to, be, uh, to have this kind of a slow habit um, is a bit unusual. Uh, you would have to give some explanation, but uh, I think you would draw tremendous benefits uh, from these kind of habits. Oh, I definitely agree. Now, I know that we have a lot of people that are that are listening today that have a lot of stress and a lot of things on their mind. What can you give for advice as far as how can overstressed people de-stress a little bit or reduce their stress? Well, um, there are uh, very little um, uh, very little progress in history about stress. I mean, when you read about um, how people uh, have to fight with stress in the 12th century, when they were fighting uh, the Crusades, uh, you see the same symptoms. Huh? People couldn't sleep, uh, they, 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 they gained weight, uh, they got um, um, heart attacks. I mean, it was really horrible, and it continues to be horrible. Now, what can you do about it? Um, in my uh, research, I have found only one, I'm saying, uh, only one thing that works. Uh, that works uh, long term, because if you just want to relieve your stress for a few hours, you can do meditation, uh, you can do yoga, um, I mean, you can, there are little things you can do, but in the end, uh, you will be stressed again tomorrow, because you will not change uh, your life uh, fundamentally. If you want mm-hmm. to reduce stress for the long term, and to become uh, a more effective, uh, relaxed uh, person, also to, to improve your chances of becoming very, very old, what you have to do, and I think this is proven by my research 100%, you have to integrate uh, your life, every area of your life. You have to integrate uh, your work, with your family, uh, with your finance. You have to to find uh, a way to put everything together without trying to to chase um, uh, rabbits in many directions. And let me just explain this because it's absolutely not... Uh, self-evident. Look, the problem with uh, stress um, is not uh, factual. It's not that you are, I don't know, nobody, today very few people work 20 hours a day or 18 hours a day. It's very rare. The problem with stress is, is, uh, is a perception. Uh, we become stressed. We get um, problems with sleep. And we get uh, inflammation when we're trying to do things that are contradictory. And this is why I, I say that the, the, the solution is uh, integration. When you're trying to do things that put you constantly in conflict because you are trying to do A and then you want to do B and then you want to do C and they are inconsistent, uh, it's almost impossible to remove the stress. Even if you spend one hour a day uh, doing meditation, uh, you will not fix the problem because the problem is, uh, is a problem of, is a philosophical problem. You have to get integrated, even if it means uh, to give up. Uh, some areas of your life because, okay, you cannot work so many hours, so you just reduce your working. Even if you less, if you make less money, uh, so be it. 
but you have to find a, a pattern of uh, integrity that is sustainable. And the problem with, uh, with the stress is that when people get into a, a life pattern that is unsustainable, uh, we human beings, we become extremely stressed. And it's the same happens with uh, dogs or cats. If you put a dog or a cat in a situation where he's completely out of control, and he's trying to chase a rabbit and he never catches a rabbit and he's becoming um, very um, uh, ineffective, he will become very, very stressed. And eventually he may, the cat and the dog might even have a heart attack. So in the end, the solution, the only solution I found uh, for the long term is to become consistent, uh, to become integrated, uh, to have a lifestyle which has no valleys and no peaks, and then you just move little by little in the right direction. Very good advice. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, you have recommended, not not on the air, but in your books and to other people, to learn a second language. What does that do? Now, you would think that would add a little stress to some people. <laughs> How um, does that help? Well, uh, I mean, it's not that you have to master uh, 20 languages. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I'm very fond of learning languages, but um, the, the advice has um, wide-ranging implications because, look, for instance, if you live in the U.S., uh, uh, it's not so difficult uh, to learn Spanish. Uh, I mean, it depends on the area you live, uh, but if you live in California or New York, to learn Spanish is almost uh, inevitable because there are so many people who speak Spanish. And the advantages of doing that, and it takes very little effort. I mean, people think of learning a second language like it was, I don't know, building a pyramid or something. I mean, you have to realize that uh, children learn uh, languages without effort. Uh, you can do 10 minutes per day, 15 minutes per day. You can do it in your car. Uh, you can do it uh, during breakfast. You can do it while you are cooking or cleaning. It doesn't matter. If you spend uh, uh, a little bit of time every day, you can learn a second language, a third language, a fourth language. It's not so difficult. You have to put uh, the effort. But the advantages are huge because... And not only will open uh, possibilities for you to make more money to advance your career, but also it will change the way you see the world. Uh, you will become, I think, more relaxed because you will have a wider uh, perspective. Uh, you will be able to, uh, to understand other people, to understand other cultures, uh, to learn um, all kinds of things to travel very easily because mm-hmm. it's not so easy to travel to certain countries if you don't speak uh, a bit of the language. And it will make you, generally speaking, a more friendly person because you will start uh, to see uh, the world as a place where there are many different kinds of people, different kinds of languages. The problem with uh, extreme uh, nationalism, extreme, um, when people become very racist and they become very um, uh, nasty with foreigners, uh, is basically ignorance. If people traveled a little bit and they learned a second language, uh, I think the world would be a much better place. People would be more friendly, more relaxed. They would stop uh, seeing uh, foreigners as enemies because they realize that people are pretty much the same everywhere. But you have to get out of your local culture. And it's very difficult to do that if you don't learn the second language because um, uh, uh, Europe, for instance, in Europe, uh, the countries are very small compared to the U.S. I mean, uh, uh, where I live, for instance, I mean, you can drive through the whole country in uh, five hours. So you are really encouraged to learn the second language if you want to do trading, if you want to work abroad. And 
it really opens your eyes because you see people who are different from you. They have different ideas. They have different habits, and you can learn from them. If you don't uh, learn the second language, it's very, very difficult because then um, you get into a matrix of uh, local culture, and uh, this is, is very easy to get lost uh, because you don't have enough perspective. Uh, you know, I totally agree with that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have um, Norwegian and German backgrounds, and I took Spanish in high school. And so by learning, I, I'm not a master of any, but I know a few phrases in each. So, But learning just a little bit from each culture, I think that has broaden my horizons. I think it's made me a better person. It helps me to understand other cultures, like you said. And I think it brings more to my life because it opens my eyes to the ways of the past from my ancestors, so to speak. And then to our neighbors to the South, because I'm in South Dakota right now, so you can drive across our state in five hours. <laughs> but when we we were military and when we were based down at uh, El Paso, we were right on the Mexican border. And so, you know, we dealt with Spanish all the time, and I was able to help understand some of that. So that made life a lot easier down there for me. But I think you're right. I think it expands our our horizons. It makes us grow as people. And... And, and it makes us more tolerant, definitely. I remember I took a trip to France um, on one of my European trips, and I thought, well, I wanted to learn a few phrases in French so that I could look as though I was trying to learn the language, and I thought that would be kind. But they're not as kind as <laughs> I had expected because I said bonsoir, or bonjour instead of bonsoir, and it was the wrong time of the day. It was about 5 o'clock in the evening. And I thought it was still daytime. But according to them, it was in the evening. And they were not very happy with that. So <laughs> I was kind of frustrated because okay. I thought, doggone it, I tried to learn this. And they kind of threw me back on that one. But definitely a second language is is encouraged. And like I said, it has helped me because I, I love learning learning new things now. I'm a sponge ever since I got out of high school. <clears throat> it wasn't uh, it wasn't my priority then, but it sure is now because now I, I realize what you can do with that power, you know. So um, let's get back. I'm sorry. I'm, I digress here. So you do a lot of research in history. Now, what is the most profound or surprising lessons that you have learned from your research in history? Um, well, um, uh, too many to mention, but um, I think that uh, the if I if I have to, to select just one um, is that uh, we human beings we tend to have uh, this trend, this tendency, which is very strong in us, um, to reinvent the wheel. And if you're if you're in any kind of creative business or you are uh, starting a business or, or developing a career, an ambitious career. Um, very few people really take the time uh, to prevent uh, major mistakes. And for instance, in my latest book, I did a lot of research about uh, Antarctic exploration, how people actually explored the Antarctica in the early 20th century. And you cannot imagine the kind of stupid mistakes they made uh, just because they refused to look at the facts. They refused to do any research. 
And in history, we find this pattern over and over again. Uh, people risking their lives stupidly when it's not necessary. Uh, people jeopardizing their careers, uh, their, their health, uh, their life, because they just try to reinvent the wheel. Instead of trying to look at uh, what should be a, a good choice in this, in this situation to try to, uh, to learn from other people, uh, we tend to become uh, super arrogant and say, okay, I'm going to reinvent the wheel. I'm going to do uh, something new. And uh, unless you take some time to learn, and sometimes it's very, very easy, um, uh, we all tend to make massively number, massive number of completely unnecessary mistakes. Mm-hmm. And if we just would have learned a little bit from history, we probably wouldn't have had to do that. <laughs> we reinvent the wheel so many times, I think. Yeah, it's, um, um, many, many people die. I mean, the problem with this is that it's not a joke. Um, uh, sometimes people, uh, they, they just uh, go in the wrong direction. They, they repeat to themselves, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it. I'm super positive. And they don't stop until they crash against the wall. And it's very, very sad to do this, to see this uh, happening uh, over and over again. But uh, we never, never learn from history. It's always, uh, it's always the same pattern. Yeah. Um, now, what do, what do you think that in your research, what's the number one reason people seem to be getting stuck kind of at their plateau and not able to move forward? Yeah, they, yeah, the, the number one reason why people get stuck in business or in, in their health or in their relationship is, <clears throat> is because they become passive. And passivity, um, it can be relaxing for a while, but as a strategy, it's, it's a killer. Um, you will never get to find uh, good solutions if you just uh, give up, if you just uh, stay passive and say, okay, I'm sick. I have to take this pill uh, twice a day, and then in 20 years I will get better. It doesn't work like this. Uh, you have to be constantly alert, constantly looking for solutions, looking for ways to improve. This applies to everything. It applies to your career, to your finances. You have to, to stay awake. Uh, people get stuck uh, because they get stuck psychologically. They get into a rut. They get uh, into a situation of, uh, which is not super comfortable. It's just uh, tolerable. And then they stop learning, they stop thinking, they stop uh, looking for, uh, for alternatives. And uh, when something changes, instead of looking at uh, possible improvements, they just become very aggressive and say, I don't want anything better. I've been doing this for 20 years. Uh, why on earth should I learn something new? Well, uh, if you want to stay alive and to, to have the possibility to thrive, uh, you have to learn, you have to be active. Passivity is the number one reason why people um, lose their opportunities, they destroy their lives, they become sick because they just refuse to learn. Hmm. And so is that why you think that uh, it seems like we're unable to eradicate our aggressiveness from society? Is that one of the reasons you think? Yeah, indeed, because the aggressiveness um, is very impractical. I mean, when you have Mm -hmm. someone constantly... Uh, insulting his neighbors uh, and, uh, I don't know, doing all kinds of stupid things. I mean, it can be funny for a while, but uh, it doesn't work. I mean, even children Mm -hmm. learn after a few uh, weeks that uh, it's very, very impractical to be nasty, to be aggressive, to be um, a... a, It doesn't work. It's it's a bully. Uh, It can survive for a while, but eventually he will get uh, um, uh, retribution. 
So uh, the problem with aggressiveness is that um, uh, you have to go into a higher uh, level of thinking to get rid of it. You have to learn. You have to become more effective. You have to become uh, mobile. If you get uh, stuck and if you get passive, it's very easy to become aggressive. Yeah. Well, and I and I think just from watching people around me too is that I think being an aggressive person or or a mean person really drains you. I mean, they just always seem so tired and so cranky, and and I think it just I think they lose themselves. They're they're less of a person um, to themselves, and I and I think that the, it's so sad to see. Because being kind is not that difficult to do. And I think people have to work at being aggressive. But that's just what I have observed. I'm not sure if you've seen the same, but you've probably done a lot more research on it than I have. So, <laughs> Yeah, in my experience, it's, um, if you look at history and you see um, why people become aggressive, it's just because they, 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 they have, uh, they, they fear something and instead of trying to think uh, a rational solution they just become aggressive they become um, uh, very defensive and it's very impractical I mean you can do it for a, for a little while uh, if you have a, an extreme situation but as a way of life um, it's a losing completely losing proposition it will not work hmm. yeah um, now in your books, you're very optimistic about the future. And is, is it the reason you're optimistic? Is it based on facts or is it just based on um, positivity and you're hoping for the best? What is it based on? Yeah, I think it's based on facts. Um, the problem with uh, the massive uh, <clears throat> negative uh, stories you see in the media when you open the Internet or you read the newspapers I mean, it always seems that uh, the, the world is falling apart, we're going to die. I mean, the, the economy is, uh, is uh, in, in, a, in a very bad shape. Uh, actually, the whole thing is nonsense. Uh, if you actually look at the facts and you look from a, from a, a wide perspective, uh, you see today several trends that are super positive. They are not mentioned in the media because they are not um, very uh, exciting. But they are there. Look, let me just mention a few of them. One of the things that uh, is here to stay, and this is not going to change in the next century, is that you have uh, the, a reduction in the cost of starting a business. I mean, what you'd have to do in the 1950s, 1960s, uh, to start a business, uh, to do some marketing, uh, to do some um, uh, export or import, of, it was a huge amount of work. Now you can do these things uh, very inexpensive. You can start a business, you can start a website, you can start uh, as a consultant um, for peanuts. Huh? I mean, really, for a few hundred uh, dollars, you can be in business, not only in the U.S., but uh, in many countries. And this is a very, very uh, new trend in history. I mean, this is something that's happening in the last uh, 10, 20 years. And people really underappreciate uh, the, the effect. I mean, the effect is massively positive. Uh, you have uh, people starting companies day after day. Uh, millions of people are, are thinking of uh, starting new campus. And you see people starting campus in Africa, in China, in the Middle East. And this was unthinkable uh, 20 years ago. This is a very positive trend that uh, I think we should be more optimistic about the future because uh, the fact that people are, are starting businesses with a very few 
um, uh, dollars, uh, we're talking a few hundred dollars, um, is a very optimistic trend in history, and this is going to create millions of jobs. It's going to continue the economic growth. And uh, you will not read it in the newspapers, but uh, you should remind uh, yourself every day of the great uh, world uh, we live in today in the 21st century. Hmm. Well, I think we're going to go to break here, John. So hopefully everybody will return here in just a couple of seconds or a couple of minutes. And we are here today with John Vespasian. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. what makes the most successful people tick keep listening to the voice america empowerment channel voiceamericaempowerment.com you are listening to Chantel inspires to reach the show call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to Chantel at ChantelInspires.com. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, everyone. Today, our very special guest is John Vespasian, joining us from Europe. And John, I, you've been so good in enlightening, enlightening us on all of this stuff today. But you had wrote your book last year on, it's called Unbecoming Unbreakable. Now, can a yes, person did, yeah. really can can a person really become unbreakable? Tell us about that. Yes, uh, you can become unbreakable. Uh, I would say to ninety nine percent. You can always have an accident, and, and then the, okay, you, there's nothing you can do about it. But uh, people <laughs> can become unbreakable by reinforcing their strengths. And what I have in this book is to look at uh, stories of people who had gone through great adversity. Uh, who have lost their their business, who have lost their health, uh, people who have been taken uh, prisoner during war and they returned uh, mm-hmm. 10 years later. 
and they rebuild their lives. And I, I, I show the principles they use. And um, uh, I just want to, to just give you uh, one, one brief idea. But the, um, the, the art, I would say the, the techniques for becoming unbreakable, um, they are absolutely not self-evident because uh, our culture uh, teaches us to, to self-pity, to be uh, always very depressed when we have a problem. And uh, when people go through really great adversity and they really look at uh, possible solutions, uh, like I show in the book, for instance, in the book I, I tell the story of Buffalo Bill, who went, uh, actually went bankrupt. Very people know this, but uh, he went bankrupt when he was uh, almost 70, and he rebuilt his life uh, quite successfully. So when you look at stories of people who have gone through great adversity, uh, you can really draw from those stories, you can draw the, the principles uh, for improving uh, your resilience. Wow, I did not know that about Buffalo Bill. Not at all. <laughs> Very interesting. And you know, that fits right in with what we have here on Chantel Inspires because we we try to touch on subjects where people are at their wits end. They're going through something terrible and they think that they can't get out, but there's always a way out. And it starts with that positive thinking and it starts with believing in yourself and some of the things that you talked about today. And it's just... It's so enlightening, so enlightening. And can you tell us, John, I know we're, we've only got about a minute or two left here. Can you tell us where can we find you? If our listeners want to purchase a book, first of all, where can they find a book? I'm very, very written? easy to find. <laughs> all my stuff <laughs> is very easy to find. If you just type uh, my name on Google, John Vespasian, uh, it's so unusual. Even if you misspell it, it doesn't matter because Google will correct it for you. Um, <laughs> you will find the books. You will find the, the blogs. You will find the, I have also a free newsletter. Uh, just type John Vespasian on Google and you will find everything in one second. Oh, wonderful. And now are you on Facebook as well? Yes, I'm, I'm on Facebook. I, am, I have a blog. I have uh, all kinds of stuff. But don't complicate okay. your life. Just uh, type on Google <laughs> and, and Google will give you the answer. <laughs> Oh, John, you're wonderful. I want to take the time to thank you so much for being with us today. You have been a wonderful guest, and it's my pleasure to have been able to interview you today. Hopefully you enjoyed us and our listeners, and I know it's uh, a little late over there, or it's later than it is here anyway. Um, thank you, John, and the very best of luck in your new book coming out next year. What's the name of your your, the 10th book that you're working on, real quick. Well, I have only a working title for the moment. Um, I will know okay. myself in a couple of months. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tried to give you a little plug there, but that's all right. Just just Google him and he'll you'll find it in a couple months then, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again, John. And remember, for all my listeners out there, we'll be here next week. You are the author of your own story. Wake up. Be awesome. And write yourself a fairy tale ending. Thank you so much for joining us and hope to see you back next week. Thank you for tuning in to Chantel Inspires. We hope you found personal inspiration in today's show and can take control of your life as well as be a light for others. Be sure to tell others about the show and tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.